So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the podcast Formula One deserves. If you're new to the show, this is a great place to start because today we're getting ready for the new season by looking back over the last year in our sport. I'm Chi Rez and over the next hour we'll remind you of the highs, the many lows and the funniest bits in the last year of For F1's Sake. That's all to come. Of course, I couldn't do this alone. Joining me at the King's Arms in South London are Phil Tromans and Terry Saunders. Hi, hello. Phil, you're a motoring journalist, this much we know. But Terry, how would you describe Phil? Phil is a man who has fine taste in cars, uh, or at least the ones he's allowed to drive free. This week I went to Venice to drive the new Audi A4, as we can all imagine. The canals of Venice are the perfect place to drive a new luxury car. I just got back yesterday from Tenerife, where I was driving the new Porsche 911. It's very good. I think Sounds I like the Cayman better, but you can't deny that the 911 is a very good car. I've been to, uh, to Portugal to drive the new Audi R8 at the Portimao circuit. I've actually been mixing it with Formula One people. What? <gasps> yeah, that's right. Can we guess? You can guess. Was it? It's, it's better than you can any, anyone you could think of. No. It's not Senna. Oh. Uh. Or Fangio. Oh. Uh, we're not going to get it, are we? It's... Uh, Rubens Barrichello. No. Uh, it was Max Chilton. Oh! Uh. <laughs> Did you speak to him? No. Oh, right. No. I was sitting there watching classic cars and he was with his mates and waxing lyrical about Ferrari Daytonas and I didn't want to interrupt him, really. That story was very much like Max Chilton's Formula 1 career. a massive build-up <laughs> and a bit of a damn squib. He's a very nice man, I should say that. I like him a lot. 
firm friends. Friends. Massively firm. Friends. <laughs> friends. <laughs> okay, and Phil, what do our listeners need to know about Terry? Terry is a tall, bearded gentleman. He has a, a fondness for knitwear and a fascination with Nigel Mansell that borders on the pathological. Sorry, I don't know. Is Nigel Mansell here? <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, Terry cannot drive. And at the ripe old age of 36, have decided to turn this around, haven't you? Well, you know, you say I can't yet drive, but, you know, I haven't done a test, so I might pass if I did. Well, you have the ability to drive. Legally, you can't drive. And practically. I've decided after many years to finally try to learn to drive. Oh! <laughs> since we did the last podcast, I've had two driving lessons. Oh, snap. Did that inspire you? Yeah. I was totally inspired. The first one went so well that the guy said I jumped from lesson one to lesson three in the space of an hour. But then it went a little bit wrong on the next lesson. Okay. And basically, I was going in from a minor road to a major road on a crossroads. Got good clutch control, apparently. You know, better than Nico Rosberg. Uh, A white van man was coming the other way. I panicked a little bit. Uh, I drove over the curb to a point where... The instructor, who's very anal, got out of the car, started swearing a lot. (laughs) Then he said, we're going to have to stop the lesson there because the tyre's damaged and I'm going to have to go and get the tyre replaced. And that was in the last five minutes of the lesson. So I feel now I know what Vettel feels like. This is amazing. This is literally what's been happening at Spa because they had the big curve on the exit of Eau Rouge yep. and then they got rid of the curb because people were driving over it and then and then there was a tyre explosion exactly this is amazing you're like an F1 I driver now I livid at Pirelli <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've got a whole world of danger now that you're a driver what happens what? you pull up to a roundabout yeah and uh, I don't know if you've done roundabouts yet but anyway normally you go up to a roundabout and you watch the guy start you start funny to leave funny story as the I have done a roundabout but did you go to the back of someone but the instructor was like Oh, we haven't covered roundabouts, but I've taken you on a route where there's a roundabout, so just wing it. And, <laughs> and as I was steering, he said, all right, come off here. And as I started to come off, he went, oh, indicate left. And that was actually quite tricky because I hadn't really worked out. So he had to reach over, indicate left. Our arms brushed rather romantically. And now we're married. <laughs> I have, wait for it, passed my theory test. Oh, big, that, is, that is a big deal. Yeah, so, you know. How many did you get wrong? Um, I got one wrong in each section. Yeah, one was attitude, because I <laughs> just smashed the screen in. <laughs> I clicked too many times on the hazard perception test. Uh, yeah, I which, got that, because they think you're cheating, didn't yeah. they? Mm. So you saw too much danger? I just saw danger everywhere. And <laughs> you know when you leave like an action movie in the cinema and you think you're James Bond? <laughs> when I walked out of the test centre, everything was a hazard. <laughs> I was just like clicking in my head. <laughs> And finally, Terry and Phil, how would you describe me? Chica, you're a lovely person who lives in... Shit. Squalor. <laughs> I imagine you live in a kind of perpetual Brooklyn warehouse party. Yep. The, um, you're, you're, you're in your 20s, so you're living the life that we wish we had in our 20s. Yeah. I got home last night, and my entire house was flooded. No. Every, oh, shit. Everything had black water in it. Sewage. So it smelled disgusting. Oh, and and, that's, and just to clarify, floor. that's not usual. That's, I mean, there's a lot of us in that house, but that is, that's more than usual. Are you in a shared house? Uh, yeah. So whose fault was it? Six of us. We're a hairy bunch, so I think it might be that. We haven't got the plumber out. <laughs> what? Still, we're just battling on, you know. Plunger. Well, hang on. 
no. Well, you're just putting the, up with the, it. The poo has gone down the drain now, so but it still rises up. And the other day, I I did my washing up and then pulled the plug out of the sink and then went to have a shower and then found all the peas in the bath. So there's something wrong there. So the peas went from the sink straight to the bath. Yeah. Can you, can you give us more of an, an idea of what your house is like? Because this is making very little sense to me. So the whole oh, there are the peas whole... in the bath, Phil. <laughs> so you need to know. Is it just fucking peas in the bath? I live in a converted peanut factory. I beg your pardon. A converted peanut factory where there's six of us living in MDF windowless boxes for not very much money. So you're, oh. you're squatting, is what you're saying? Uh, it's, it's squatting, but we pay rent. So not really squatting. So none of the benefits of squatting. <laughs> so do you have to make? Do you have to make peanuts? Uh, no. You can come if you're allergic to peanuts. A lot of people say that. Can I come if I'm allergic to peanuts? And yes. In every podcast, we like to tear the race to shreds, team by team. So Mercedes had an incredible season, although the less said about Hamilton's dress sense, the better. Hamilton has dyed his hair blonde. Well, thank God we um, finally got onto this circuit, because that's the story that we all really want to talk about. It's the colour of the World Championship leader's hair. I'm going to read out what he said as his press statement about his hair. I don't think it's his press statement. Um, And it uh, it was nauseating, really. Here we go. I had it dyed blonde a few days ago in Los Angeles. It was just something I fancied doing on the spur of the moment. I'm in a very experimental period of my life. I like taking risks. I like trying new things, whether it be style or restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) He's a a crazy man. (laughs) I was at the hairdresser and I just thought, I'm going to try it. Let's do it. Zero cares. Then he had sushi. He's crazy. He's living. He's living life on the edge. He's going. He's going to different restaurants. Do you know he's what? changed his hair colour. I, I, I was doing very, this when I was fifteen. I feel very similar. I'm in a very experimental stage in my life right now. And last week, I was going to go to Wagamama's, and I went to Yosushi instead. And I tell you what, blew my fucking mind, man. You're a loose cannon, Terry. Oh, but zero up. cares, right? You play. Zero by, cares, zero you play cares. by your own rules. I play by Lewis Hamilton's rules. Have you considered uh, and the, the ratified rules? Which means I don't do any drugs or drink or uh, anything that's bad by the FIA or my sponsors, because I've got to curtail to my sponsors. So in a way, Lewis Hamilton, with your experimental stuff, you're not being that experimental because Patronus would probably be a little bit shitty if you, I don't know, murdered a prostitute. Uh, how, how seriously are you taking these rules breaking? Are you breaking the slightly vague rules about tyre inflation? If, if I was in a Formula 1 race, my tyres would just be full of duty-free cigarettes. <laughs> So every week we ask you to send in your questions, and this week we had one question. Yeah! yeah. It was from Zach Cashman. Hamilton throwing the hat at Rosberg. Who was in the wrong there? Surely Hamilton knew Rosberg wouldn't be amused? I can't honestly believe that after equaling his all-time hero's record of three world championships, that Hamilton was just like, right, I'm going to really piss off Rosberg now. That, I can't believe that's what he was thinking about. I think he literally was just chucking his hat at him. But I've watched this video many, many times, and I thought, surely the hat is the second-place hat. Surely Hamilton could have given the hat to Rosberg. Well, did he not also chuck Vettel's hat at him? Two wrongs don't make a right. I think what would have been better if, if Hamilton had given him the first-place hat and then taken it back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, got it wrong. <laughs> sorry, Nico, this hat's for winners. Also, in the bit where they were doing the champagne, Rosberg just gave his champagne to someone. Oh, he was proper <laughs> Marty, wasn't he? And I now thought, that. do you know what, Rosberg? Grow up. 
Do you know how many people starve in Africa because they can't have champagne and you're just wasting your... Actually, that's the opposite. He's not wasting it. He's saving it, isn't he? For I was hoping drunk. he was just going to pour it out while standing stock still and just staring into a camera. It'd be better just if he look. just like... If he just sits there and he just smashes the bottle on the podium and then just goes, come on then. <laughs> come on. What is it with you uh, podium fights? You've been hankering after this all season. One year, Nigel Mansell nearly punched PK. Another year, he didn't centre punch someone. And I'm not advocating violence, but I'm just saying violence is it's quite entertaining. Times, it? Fisichella <laughs> nearly beat the crap out of Villeneuve once, yeah. and uh, Schumacher wanted to go and rip David Coulthard to pieces as well. Senna ever go at Eddie Irvine? That was it. He was probably punch him. It's just like the whole kind of homogenisation of Formula One. Everything's boring. No one's punching each other. So you, so, so the, you reckon the solution is that after the World <laughs> Championship concludes, we should have seen Rosberg with a broken champagne bowl going at black belt karate master Lewis Hamilton? No, I just think that we're saying they're both in the wrong for not fighting. <laughs> yes. Is there anything more pathetic than Rosberg getting good when it's too late to mean anything? Just I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, he has been looking really good. Like, I, I don't think we should write him out yet. I know. I'm I totally still right him with the I'm, I'm totally am. Because <laughs> season's not over till it's over. But it is over. <laughs> oh, it's still Abu Dhabi. No, because Abu Dhabi is a pointless race. It's double points, isn't it? It's not double points. Oh. They use, it's half points this year. <laughs> to make up for last year, they're doing half points. So when he's got to put it out of the bag when the championship's at stake, he's just rubbish and getting gusts of wind and going off everywhere. Now, now that Hamilton's crashing cars in Monaco and getting drunk with his mum, I think, um, Rosberg's suddenly good. And it's like, well, that's... It's the equivalent of... And I'm sorry, Chico, this reference isn't understandable, to, relatable to you. Okay. But when you're at a urinal... I know. And I if you, if, I do have that. And if you, if you like me, suffer from cannot wee next to another man syndrome, that as soon as the person at the next urinal walks away, you suddenly wee. That's what Rosberg's doing right now. He is suddenly weeing. The whole of the year, Howard's been sat, stood next to him with his huge cock, and now he's walked away. He's zipped up his fly, gone to get drunk with his mum, and Rosberg is having a wee. Well, it's better than Rosberg going to get drunk with Hamilton's mum, I suppose. <laughs> well, that would at least have rod Hamilton, wouldn't it? And we know he can't deal with pressure. So that's what should have happened. We were oh, one of those dealt very well with pressure, pushes on the podium, like I've always been wanting. <laughs> and what but was that claim about that they've changed the car? He suddenly came up with the claim saying that, oh, Mercedes have changed the car since, is it Singapore? Well, I think he's trying to do a bit of uh, psychology on Rosberg. He's basically saying, oh, now I've won the championship. They're letting you win, mate. Yeah, they're letting you win. I've been saying for weeks now... God, that guy's got no fighting instinct. And as soon as his pedal started going funny, he's like, oh, oh, it's not working. What do I do? And I forget what was the official word is they said. You just basically, the, the, the engineer just said, you're just going to have to deal with it. Well, he said, if you hit the brake, it'll kill it. By which I took to understand, if you, t- if you hit the brake, the engine will stop. I thought it meant kill Rosberg. Oh, right. Don't hit the brake. <laughs> Fully Whatever electrified. you do, it's like speed. <laughs> but it did cause a problem. Don't you go s- under 50 miles an hour. He, he manfully tried to carry on with it, but you saw him... Manfully, sort of bar- not manfully. No, he was. Like he was a whining child. A- He's still trying to go fast. He came barreling into the corner, obviously hit the brake, but the throttle was still open, so consequently he didn't slow down enough and was just sailing on all the corners. And then eventually he said, like, because it was there was something with, literally with the, the physical pedal itself that just kept coming back and back. So as I understand it, every time he had to lift off the pedal... As it got worse, he had to lift his leg further and further and further and further up to the point at the end. It basically his knee was up by his up by the steering column and he couldn't turn the wheel properly. All the coverage I watched was saying like, "Oh, Rosberg, like he doesn't deserve this. He has had a really unlucky season." But then listening to you guys, you're just saying he's a massive wimp. <laughs> he is a massive wimp. 
Don't Do you listen to I these blame? so-called experts on the television? They Do you know, know who I blame? Keki Rosberg. I don't think he was around for enough when Nico was a kid. Because this guy can't deal with anything. Well, the trouble is Keki Rosberg was busy winning world championships. Well, exactly. Right? Something so, he hasn't passed down to honor. This, this is the equivalent of going, uh, Dad, Dad, I want to go and play with the boys, but I haven't got the right T-shirt on. And, it, and Keki should be going like, that was stupid, son. You should wear whatever T-shirt you want to wear. Your Finnish accent. I amazing. can't do the accent. The way that the engineer basically said to him, just deal with it. I forget Don't the exact whine. language. The exact language was like, you're just going to have to adapt to the situation. AKA, fucking deal with it, you whiny, prissy bitch. There are people dying in Africa. It's <laughs> the sort of thing that Keggy should have said when he was like, I don't want to finish my food. I live in Monaco. There are people dying. You should finish that food. And this whole thing about going, oh, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't move the steering wheel. Have you heard the stories of Nigel Mansell having fuel... Hot fuel pouring into his, uh, on his race debut, pouring into his buttocks, giving him third-degree burns. Or Schumacher finishing a whole race just in fifth gear, right? And Rosberg goes, I can't turn the steering wheel the whole way. I better quit. In fairness, the steering wheel is fairly useful on a circuit with corners. Move your fucking knee. And, of course, there was McLaren's utter humiliation of a season because, oh, God. Well, hang on, let's give him a chance... They, they haven't finished 2015 yet. They're still halfway through the 2015 season. You wait. By the 2015 Spanish Grand Prix, they're going to be competitive with the likes of Manor. Give it a race or two and they'll be challenging for wins. No. That's no, still, they won't. But that's still kind of what they're saying. They're still kind of going, oh, give it a race or two. And it's just like, no. All right, no, we're not going to give it a race or two. You've screwed it up. They've had a race or two. We're halfway through the yeah. season. They, they've got one point up until this anomaly. This like taking your car to a mechanic and then going, oh, no, so I've never taken a car to a mechanic. What do they do? I don't know. What do they do? They just fuck. Where do you take your car? I haven't got a car. Oh. I can't drive. Oh, God. Oh, it's your crankshaft, mate. Get, use an old pair of tights. <laughs> That's what I have to do. crankshaft. Do you know... <laughs> Doesn't Jensen Button have the air of a man who is working his notice? Like, you know, when you've, hand, you've got a month left in a job, you've handed your notice... And you just start, you know, turning up late, stealing things, <laughs> fingers in the till, that kind of thing. They have totally screwed him over all year. And I bet every night when he walks away from the track, his pockets are full of paper clips. It's more fool us, really, for all year, listening to McLaren going, oh, in the next couple of races, there's going to be, whoa, something amazing happening. Yeah. And then the last few months, it's been, oh, well, you know, these high-power tracks aren't good for our shitty engine. But Singapore... Holy shit, we're going to just be fucking stupendous at Singapore. And then they but we all there. waited. We, we all did. waited. I, I believed it. I really thought I'm going to wake up on Friday morning, I'm going to see the practice results, and it's going to be like Alonso first, Button third. And it was just like, oh, no, they're not. Because <laughs> do you know what? They've got a shitty car with a shitty engine and two drivers that are shitting the bored and the whole team is bored they're all fucking weeping they're all they're all on linkedin updating their profiles just in case right it's, it's carnage it's it's going to be like williams it's going to be years in the doldrums they're running out of money they've said they haven't got a sponsor again for next year they're, they're worried about that they're, they're going to have less prize money everything is fucked at mclaren what was interesting about this is the things that went wrong and the reasons they were slow was it wasn't even the engine the uh, button button had a gearbox problem, didn't he? After his forty-second pit stop, I can't even remember why Alonso. Why did Alonso retire? I can't even remember. It was another gearbox thing, but that's why because they come into the pits and everyone's on their laptops, like looking at job sites. 
McLaren are in the points. Huzzah! Well, in the points. well done, It's the then. big the comeback is now. Didn't Alonso say, watch this space, at the end of the year we might finish ninth if a lot of other cars crash out? He did say that. He's, he's a prophet. That's what the head of Honda said as well. That was like... Whoa. It's all part of the master plan. Yeah. Alonso did come in in 10th, and we were like, yay, they both got points. And then Alonso got a penalty for driving outside of the track limits and dropped him down to 11th. But Alonso came to this race with a whole bucket load of sass. Oh, he did, didn't he? The bit where they were like... Fernando, we are racing Massa behind. I love your sense of humour. It was hilarious. And then he got overtaken by Massa and also by NASA. And it turned out that both Felipe's were faster than him. Oh, That's a callback. Nice. Do you remember Ferrari days? Oh, oh crazy. Nice. So if you didn't see, in the, in, was it Qualify, wasn't it, when Alonso had to retire the car? <laughs> Obviously, the yes. <laughs> Either there was just a picnic chair there, or he had packed a picnic chair <laughs> he was in, in the his car. car. It did look very choreographed. And he just got out, and he sat there, and he just sat on the side of the track looking to all intents like a man who had lost it like a man who had finally gone like it would have only been more apparent if he'd have put some underpants on his head two pencils off his nose and said wibble wibble <laughs> that was exactly well of course you could get shot for that so exactly that's probably really what I didn't do and he uh, earned yeah. himself the hashtag places Alonso would rather be yeah I'd rather it was an, I think it was another extremely well planned dig at Honda by Alonso he knows what he's doing he's been in Formula 1 long enough that he knows there are cameras and they're going to catch yeah. him sitting there sunning himself in a deck chair He's just, it's Alonso being uh, rebellious, revolutionary. Both. He's usurping the powers that be. Yeah. With his sort of uh, protests. And then, now bear in mind, Ron Dennis, who runs McLaren, has no sense of humour whatsoever. It always kind of wants to make out that McLaren are the best thing in the world, even though they're clearly not right now. <laughs> and then there's that wonderful bit where him, Alonso and Button climbed onto the podium. <laughs> That was brilliant. Just, just in the qualifier, they just the podium was empty. They both got on. Sam Blow took a picture of them. They pretended they won the race, and they were gigging like. And it was like a school trip. We like if we had a trip to a Grand Prix circuit, and the podium was there, we'd get on, and we'd fight over who came first. I've literally done that at several race circuits exactly. that I visited on tours. I've just sort of run up to the podium and gone, "Yeah, I run." Now you don't do that if there's a good chance you're going to be on that podium on Sunday because it's just demeaning. But. Obviously, McLaren, no chance. So they've done it. And it's just like, you can imagine that Ron Dennis was sat there going, you're making the team look bad. <laughs> He'd have said it in a much more long-winded way, yeah. but yeah. You're not optimising the visual appearance of this uh, constructor. So we don't just talk about the teams on this podcast. We also talk about the manufacturers and what goes on in the garage. Um, what have we had to say about this season? Well, engines have been key to everything this season, hasn't it? It's been a right mess. Mercedes have made one that's made, frankly, everyone else a bit embarrassed, especially McLaren and us, to be fair. Why us? Because our engine, although not real... Hasn't been made yet. But I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it probably wouldn't have been as good as the Mercedes engine. <laughs> but probably Have slightly better than the Honda engine, I would Oh, no, definitely. Probably better than the Renault as well. I reckon oh, yeah, we'd have been on par with Ferrari. <laughs> because, of course, this season we sort of built our own engine. On the, paper. The emphasis is on sort of. It seems that Red Bull have officially told Renault to fuck off. And they've gone to Mercedes and said, hey, Mercedes. How are you doing? We're finally split up with our ex-boyfriend. Let's do it. And Mercedes have gone, fuck off. <laughs> 
which means that Red Bull now have to go with either Ferrari or Honda. <laughs> oh, can you imagine seeing a Red Bull Honda? That would be amazing. Oh my God, it'd be the slowest car So it seems car that Red Bull are going to be with Ferrari next year. Which, Almost. I mean, they don't really have any other options, yeah. do they? Why did Mercedes not want... Well, why, well, why would they want them? They, they sell engines to loads of other teams. They're making loads of money. They're winning about, the championship. I talk about Lewis Houghton being uh, honest and experimental. They asked him, what would you feel about Mercedes going to Red Bull? And he just kind of went, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. Then I wouldn't win. <laughs> In the last couple of weeks, the FIA have put out a tender, an expression of interest for anyone to make a, a new engine. And they've put it out with such short notice that no one can seriously get an expression of interest ready in time unless someone's already got one ready. What was that, Christian Horner? What, what was that you just left on the table? It's a new engine. Oh, wow. It's funny you say that because we've just, we've just said we're looking for new engines and you've got a new engine. Oh, my God, that's amazing. What a coincidence. Oh, we'll talk about that at Christmas, won't we? And so instead, we've got this farcical situation where Red Bull are pretending to have a new engine that's good for the sport and it's just good for them and it's disgusting and I think it should be looked at by the International Court of Dickwads. I mean, they're just looking to identify candidates interested in becoming an exclusive supplier of the alternative engine to the competitors and we've got until Monday. Yeah, that's not very long to get a proper thing together, well, is it? Well, do you know what? Like Red Bull, <laughs> I've done a bit of planning. <laughs> You've got an engine in the works. I think I have a solution. <laughs> so, um, I've decided that we should, as a podcast, and maybe as a movement, fill in our own expression of interest for Formula One by Monday. I mean, what do we do in this situation? Do we just write them a note going, yeah, all right, we'll give you an engine. Send them a letter. Inside the letter says, please find enclosed new engine, Formula One. In the letter is just two pencils and an elastic band. <laughs> Still better than the Honda engine. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where our podcast comes in, because we managed to get hold of one of the uh, expression of interest forms. And we asked our listeners to uh, suggest the best ways for the, uh, for the new engine to take place. Now, what happened? We got this very long spreadsheet through, and the spreadsheet had all the different facts of the engine, all the things you need. All the suggested things, very helpful because it was all gibberish to us, all the suggested things that their engine should have, and then the space for our answers. So we opened it out on a Google Doc, and uh, these are some of our, our favourite answers. So, first of all, engine architecture. They suggested V, and that means the way the valves sit on an engine in a V shape. Um, and oh, we came back with um, Gothic. Because um, <laughs> frankly, there's not enough spires in engines. Um, power, kilowatts. Now, they said it should be possibly to be detuned down to 530 kilowatts at less than 640 to qualifying and race levels. Complete maximum boost pressure for his engine rev curve will be imposed by the FIA. Targets for Q and race may be different. We've said power more than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> in period development, they said there's no development to catch competition, which means when you bring this engine in, you can't develop it. you just got to keep it stuck. We've just quite cockily said you can't develop perfection. Um, <laughs> Drive. Must be provided on engine, same for all. We've said we're really fucking focused. Um, <laughs> camshaft material. They said it's a free choice. We've gone for metal. Um, <laughs> throttle command. It can be hydraulic or electric. We went for, you shall throttle. <laughs> <laughs> Variable systems are not permitted. We said sometimes. Um, crankcase material. Free choice. We've gone for pine. I just think... 
just offset the niceness there. Uh, oil tank location, it's a free choice. We've said London SE3, where I live. Uh, measurements. Now, there's a lot of measurements. These are some of the examples. Filtration of uh, oil filter, distance between front and rear fixing points. We've just gone for... For four, for everything. So every single measurement on the engine was four. High pressure pump, free choice. We said we've got a low pressure one, but if you put your finger over the hole, it comes out quicker. <laughs> Fixing point on the gearbox. In compliance with the F1 technical regulations, we've said the driver might have to hold it down on the straights. So uh, we've, we've compiled this. I, I put it in a proper document, and uh, just at the last minute, I put it in Comic Sans to piss them off. And, uh, I, prepared, I prepared to send this out, and I got a bit worried because I thought, well, the FIA... Uh, bastards, and there's a horrible chance they might say, all right, you can have it. And I'd be like, oh, God, what are we going to do? So I came up with a brilliant scheme of how to pay for this. And that is, the, the, you had to have a, there's a box also for fuel provider, and we've put in uh, Sainsbury's Unleaded, and I've worked out that from the nectar points we would get, <laughs> yeah. we could pay for the entire engine programme. It's brilliant. <laughs> so we sent this off, and in typical F1 style, the day after the uh, engine submission date was over, there came out a, a thing that, that there'd been a meeting for the Formula One Commission, and they decided, actually, they're not going to go ahead with a budget engine after all. Now, we'd applied, and as a joke, maybe, but some real engine manufacturers had actually put in a proper expression of interest. This is how terrible Formula One is. And in one of the news reports, uh, it said, yesterday's meetings acknowledged the four credible expressions of interest <laughs> made for the manufacturer and supply of a less expensive alternate customer engine. Four credible. Now, that either means one of two things. Either our joke engine proposal was credible... <laughs> Or, according to the FIA, we are incredible. <laughs> Phil, what have you got yes, for us? Yes, I wanted to, uh, to tell you about a little, uh, little experience I had this week. I had a chance to have a chat to somebody who is uh, involved in the Formula One world. Ooh. He's got a new book out. It's called Staying on Track. No. Do you know who it was? No. Not Sir Nigel Mansell. It is Lord Sir Nigel Mansell. Lord Sir Nigel oh. Mansell, MBE. What the fuck did you ask him about my school project? All these years. All these years waiting to have my moment asking about my school project. Sorry, sorry, I'm very sorry I didn't ask him about your school project. However, I did bring you up. No. I did ask him for a little bit of advice. No. For a, for a novice driver. <laughs> I wonder if I can get you to uh, to give a bit of advice to my co-host on the podcast, Terry, uh, who will be taking his driving test soon. What would be the advice that you would give him? Quickly, just stay on the black bits. <laughs> <laughs> There's much more grip on the black bits. If you go on the green bits, you might have a whoopsie. I shall pass that on. There you go. So my advice to my driving test is like a racist Frank Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> just tell you the guy taking the test. Hell yeah. Go in. Let's play that. I think we can both agree I've passed. Yeah. <laughs> as, long, as long as we haven't driven through a child's playground, then it's, uh, then it's happy days. So what is happening to Williams? They keep saying that, oh, we have to stop making mistakes, this is the problem, and then they just keep making mistakes. I have never heard a team go on so much as Rob Smeddy does with Williams saying, to be, more, to be, a, to be a race-winning outfit, we're going to have to get our operations sorted and slow down our mistakes. And the only mistake they seem to be making is talking about mistakes and not actually doing anything about them. They put the wrong tyres on. <laughs> That's the easiest thing. If I was in charge of Formula One teams, that would be the one bit I wouldn't fuck up. That would be the one thing in a Formula One team that I would get right. Everything else I'd get wrong. What penalty do they get for that again? Drive-through drive penalty, through. yeah. And if you're a Formula One team that would like to put Terry's claim to the test, get in touch with us. Definitely. And get him to change some tyres on a car. I could run operations for Williams and they'd do better. I just say, go out there, 
a bloody drive. And when you get in, we'll make sure we got the right tyres for you. I mean, on the next pit stop, they went out and it had like a bike tyre, a biscuit tin, a donut, and then a, a, a Michelin tyre from four Mars years ago. Bar. It's not even circular. Williams. <sighs> I mean, they're almost there, but they've been almost there for like two years mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. This is pathetic. And they still keep making stupid mistakes. Should we, should we, should we address the uh, superheated elephant in the room? So, with? yeah, because I don't really know exactly Embrace what happened. So, I know that Massa got disqualified for what was it exactly? His rear tyre was 27 degrees warmer Too hot. than the maximum of 137 degrees. No, it was, 130, it was 137 degrees, which is 27 degrees too hot. That's what I meant. <laughs> 27 degrees is a lot, isn't it? But I really want to know, Phil, why does that make it better? Well, my understanding, largely speculative, based on about 20 seconds of reading a story about it. Um, when the race is about to begin, they have the tyre warmers on and there's a set maximum pressure that they can be and there's a set maximum temperature they can be. Mm -hmm. The temperature affects the pressure and yada, yada, yada. And the reason those are there is from Pirelli, there are rules on how hot the tyres can be. Because if it gets to a certain level, it actually starts to damage them. So there's a balance between having them hot because hot tyres work better. Cold tyres, you skitter off all over the yeah. place. When they're hot, the rubber's softer, it grips the track, everything's good. And so teams naturally want them to get them as hot as they can get away with. And let's not forget, winter's setting in. So Cold it's, just nice. yeah. it's just nice to have, it's nice to have <laughs> hot tyres, just, just to warm just the... A bit of just like an electric the jowls. Just, just to be there, just when you're in the car going, oh, I'm glad I didn't put a jumper on. There's a maximum allowable temperature, and the FIA goes around and they test all these things, as we saw with some other tyre stuff early in the season. So either the FIA's equipment was wrong, or Williams' equipment was wrong, or somebody wasn't checking stuff properly, or they were deliberately trying to cheat. Which what do you the, reckon? Well, the latter seems a bit unlikely, because why would you only cheat on one tyre? Everyone's got a favourite. <laughs> I think somebody made a mistake, and I haven't done enough research to be able to make an informed opinion as to who it was. Terry? So if you've got any ideas, mm -hmm. write to us at... <laughs> or let Terry have a go. Terry, what go. What do you reckon? So what? how much was it off by? <laughs> 27, 27 degrees, degrees. Okay, high. so 37 degrees is body temperature. And I think that's probably what was going on there. There was someone in the tyre. <laughs> <laughs> Only explanation. <laughs> so you're saying it was actually too cold, but there was somebody in the tire. Somebody in the tire. It. it was too cold. Who do you think it was? They who said, does, "Who's William? Who's fallen out of favour at Williams?" <laughs> Patrick Head. They were like, "Right, you're no good anymore. You're United. You get in the tire. Don't worry, we'll let you out before the race starts." Do you think this has anything to do with Susie Wolf retiring? She got to drive in the Grand Prix by being in the tire. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Do you know what I'm tired of? Do you know off? what really rubbers me up the wrong way? Oh, God. Do you know what I can't get a grip on? Do you know what makes me tread carefully? Is and it tyres, Terry? Oh, yeah, yes, tyres. Aerodynamic. Oh, right. I can but believe you guessed that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, we got rid years ago. I say we, I mean Formula One, not this podcast. Years ago, got rid of the tyre, the, the idea of a tyre war. It used to be Michelin and Bridgestone and there'd just be lots of argy-bargy between the two. One tyre would be better than the other. They'd win all the races, blah, 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 blah. So they both left Formula 1. Michelin went to do restaurants. They're doing very well. And Bridgestone fucked off eventually. And now we have Pirelli. So Pirelli have come into Formula 1 on the sole proviso that there won't be a tyre war. And somehow, with one supplier, 
there's still a tyre war. Well, it's, it's, it's Pirelli versus everybody else. Yeah. Versus all the drivers and all the teams. It is like Pirelli is Formula 1's little brother and Formula 1 is holding Pirelli's arms and punching him and going, what are you punching yourself for? What are you punching? And I want to talk about tyres because the thing that always bugs me with Formula 1 is that no matter what you do with the rest of your car, no matter what aerodynamics, what engine, the only part of the car that touches the road is the tyre man. Unless you're Pastor Maldonado. Unless you're Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> Then all your cars frequently are. the roll hoop, yeah. So tires are very important, and Peretti came in and they were they were given that Canadian Grand Prix a few years before and said that race is really exciting because the tires were fucked. Can you make your tires like that? And Peretti, to their credit, have gone all right. We'll make tires that can't last a full race. They've done exactly what they were asked to They've do. They've done exactly what they're asked to do, and everyone's moaning because the drivers are going. Oh, um, actually, we can't push our cars hard enough because of the tyres and we've got to just like drive really slowly and I hate it what, like whatever didn't they say they said their tyres can last 40 laps though yeah exactly so they, they put these very strict guidelines on the, the thing they say you can do this you can do that but the tyres are built to not last a whole race that is how they build it which is in PR terms danger ground for Pirelli it's immediate comedy material for yeah. anybody that buys Pirelli tyres here you go because I want this to last on my car for like maybe go to Tesco's and back <laughs> and I get some new tyres and I want them to fall off the cliff which if you live coastally oh terrible my issue is Formula 1 teams because all they, of them all of them no, actually honestly all of them because they don't do things for the show of Formula 1 they do things for the fastest possible lap time. Which you go, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. But that means if a race strategy is boring to us, because it's all done in pit stops and they all do one stop or two stops, whatever, that's not Pirelli's fault. That is the team's fault for going, we just want to get the quickest time. There's no entertainment aspect. But don't worry, I have a solution. Every team has to have a Pirelli engineer, as we discussed earlier, who helps fill the tyres and all this kind of stuff. I think each team should have an ENTS officer, like a student union. And that person should be able to say, halfway through the race, guys, it's all a bit boring. People, are, people on Twitter are getting bored, so can maybe we do something? Can one of you fuck up? Can we send Bottas out on the wrong tyres? Something. Can we, can we have discount alcohol? Yeah, discount alcohol. You know, multi-tyre. We'll, we'll, like, we'll just throw a tyre into the track. Or 90s evening. Yeah. <laughs> A foam party in Formula One. A minor indie band doing an acoustic set. Bewitched. So, all these things. So, I think that's what Formula One needs this week. Bewitched. (laughs) It's bewitched. So, away from the teams, the mechanics, there were drivers that came up more than others in the podcast. Nigel Mansell. Of course, we had Verstappen. What a guy. Very strong. What a guy. What a guy. (laughs) Very strong. Look at me. I can drive a car. Woo. Someone who's got promise but doesn't get into the top team immediately just fades away. Like your beloved Max Verstappen will fade away. Uh, no, I'm and not convinced In a couple of years, he'll be Nico Hulkenberg. And you'll be like, oh, why is Max Verstappen only coming for Hey, 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 Nickelback Hulkenberg has, uh, has re-signed for Force India. So, yeah. you know, he's on the up now. Great. Uh, we didn't talk about Verstappen's performance. Uh, I, I know you, you don't like him, Terry, because you don't like anybody. It's not that I don't like him. I it's just, just that you hate him. I just, I can't like him. <laughs> Who do you like? Did you not see the... Nigel o- <laughs> Those days are gone, and he's not coming back. He oh. might come back once, but he's not doing it again. Formula One legends. Let's talk... I, I want to remind everybody of that awesome overtake that Verstappen did around uh, NASA, 
and the outside of turn one into the chicane. It was brilliant. Yeah, he's good. End oh, well, that's actually better, better good, praise but, than you've you know, given him. A lot of people are good. And, of course, they may not have given their teams very many points, but Maldonado and Stevens gave us so much content last year. And Maldonado uh, got a lot of points on his licence. Let's move on to my favourite story of the weekend, which was, of course, Maldonado. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's a cliche to say he's the gift that keeps on giving. Considering nine penalties were given in the race and so a third. So, so he crashed into... what, what was crashed his, into Perez. Crashed into Perez. Near the beginning, sent Perez up in the air again for the second time of the weekend. Nice. He got speeding penalty for driving through the pit lane for a speeding penalty. No, did he? Oh, my God. Well, he came into the pits to serve his speeding penalty yeah. and speeded and sped, <laughs> yeah. spad, spad again. To yeah. be fair, you would think they go, this is the least like they're going to be watching me. You know, <laughs> this is the, if there's one point in the race I can get away with speeding, it's when I'm being done for speeding. It's like shooting small children in a barrel. And then he overtook behind the safety car. Oh, God. Just an idiot. They just forget the safety car was there. <laughs> Everyone's going slowly. I must have amazing speed now. <laughs> To be fair, though, hashtag Maldonado on Twitter during that Grand Prix was fantastic. I watched the interview with him after the race, and he's still got braces on his lower teeth, which he's had he's had now braces for like four years, which I'm presuming some kind of management said, get your teeth done, because then when you're in Formula One, you know, you'll look bling. And by the time his teeth are fixed, he is going to be out on his ass. His Venezuelan sponsorship is going to disappear, and he's just going to be in some petrol garage in Venezuela with the best teeth. Oh, those teeth are going to shine underneath the murky water. How old is he? How old is he? I don't know. Oh, probably depressingly young. I don't know, mid-twenties. You have to remind yourself as you're watching him bumbling around the track, smashing into everything and ignoring all the rules, that this is a Grand Prix race winner. When he won, uh, it was it Spain, wasn't it? Catalonia yeah. a couple of years ago. It was really good. Uh, he's clearly capable of driving really well, but he just seems to have... He make, he, 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 maybe he's better suited at Mercedes with their current brain fade thing that they've had going on after Monaco and, and the But Hungary. let's not also forget that the one time he won a race, there was a massive fire in his garage after the race. He cannot walk away from calamity. Everywhere he goes, there's God a calamity. God is angry. <laughs> yeah. And how did 2015 end? If you can't remember how things were, let Terry round up the championship table for you. So, world champion is crashy drunk, second is smug blonde, German definitely third, crashy Finn is fourth, grumpy Finn is fifth, old Brazilian sixth, the USSR seventh, teeth come in at number eight, and tyre protector nine, the incredible Sulk is tenth, chicken Gujon eleventh, max power is twelfth, the young Brazilian is thirteenth, brace yourselves fourteenth, rally driver junior is fifteenth, Velcro is sixteenth, Sunbay the seventeenth, old mobile phone is eighteenth, in nineteenth is Mir, twentieth is Trotter's independent trading, twenty first is status quo, and twenty second is Mer. Mastermind. Who's Mastermind? Magnuson. Oh, God. I forgot he'd even raced. And if I can just do the Constructors' Championship as well, that's all right. Um, the winners of the Constructors' Championship this year is Silver. Second is Red. Third is Martini. Fourth is Cunts. Fifth is Jordan. Sixth is JPS. Seventh is Baby Cunts. Eighth is Believers. Ninth is Earth Car. And tenth is Estate. And well, that's all we have time for. Guys, what did we miss out from 2015? Phil Tromans. We didn't really talk much about Bernie going to jail, or not going to jail, or buying the jail, whatever he did. Grey is the new black. <laughs> Terry Saunders. Uh, well, we did talk about the uh, Formula One trying to float itself on the stock market, which went about as well as when I tried to float a brick in a bath. What? Why? I killed a guy. Long weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Chikarez. Check out our testing podcast for all the latest action and subscribe to never miss another episode of Formula One's sake. 
Here's the 2016. Goodbye. Podcast Network.